You're listening to the RPC Sermons Podcast. You can join us for virtual worship every Sunday at roswellpress.org. Thanks for listening. I just pray that Eli grows up to love Jesus more than the Alabama Crimson Tide. I'm still living off the uh, fumes of last night. The mission auction raised over $45,000. For our mission partners here in Roswell and around the world, I want to thank all of our donors, all of our bidders for making it happen. If you would have told me we were going to do this virtually and we were going to achieve our goal in in private, I would have said there's no way. But with God, there is a way and with the faithfulness and generosity of this congregation. And I thank you. I thank you deeply. And our mission partners, thank you deeply. Last Wednesday, I did another Closing the Distance interview on Facebook Live at noon on Wednesdays, where I interviewed Maggie DeCan, who's the Executive Director of the Children's Development Academy here in Roswell, doing magnificent work uh, with vulnerable families taking care of children. It's not very far, maybe a quarter of a mile from here. Um, Last night and even still today, you can buy puzzle pieces for $30. It's going to allow us to help build a green space for the kids to play on um, in their facility. It was really cool for Maggie to tell the story how the CDA got its beginning in the Sunday school rooms at Roswell Presbyterian Church. Over 50 years ago, this congregation stepped forward to take care of a need. And it's exciting to see us continue that legacy to continue to step forward and take care of needs in our community. And this coming Wednesday, I'm doing another interview and some of you will be very interested. I, I know he's one of your favorite former associate pastors here at RPC. I'm going to be interviewing the Reverend Dr. Brad Clayton. And I'm going to be talking to Brad about his ministry down in Tallahassee, about how he and Julianne are doing, uh, catch up with them and also going to ask them some to hear some stories about how this congregation influenced them and empowered them to hear God's call to continue to grow and minister in new and fresh ways. And so that again will be on at noon on Facebook Live on Wednesday. Oh, I should say you don't need a Facebook account to watch it. If you get my weekly update, there's a, a link on there that you can watch it without um, an account. Well, last week, Pastor Dan did a fantastic job really of explicating the opening chapters of Revelation, I'll be honest with you, I really, I mean, forever have been allergic to the book of Revelation. And maybe some of you are like me. Um, I've just, I mean, John Calvin never wrote a commentary about it because he was allergic to, I find myself in that line. But I think Dan did just such a fantastic job of unpacking a lot of what's going on there. And my sermon today assumes that you have heard his sermon from last week. So if you don't understand something that I say today, it's not my fault. <laughs> but it is a challenging text we're going to look at. In most commenta- commentaries, they take chapter four and chapter five together. And what we see, John of Patmos, the author of I should say the writer of Revelation, takes wild and bright colored 
brush strokes to remind us to wake up to the impact of what God has done in Jesus Christ. And he will use whatever metaphor, whatever analogy, whatever symbolism he can to wake us up. So let us look as he tries to wake us up in Revelation 5, verses 11 through 14. Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels surrounding the throne and the living creatures and the elders. They numbered myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands singing with a full voice. Worthy is the lamb that was slaughtered to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them singing to the one seated on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we ask that in the next few moments you might be our teacher that you might speak a word that only you can speak from this seemingly mysterious text. That Lord, maybe, just maybe, you might speak a word, a truth to our hearts that we haven't been able to hear before. That you might reveal yourself more fully to us. Now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. If you could choose a soundtrack to play in the background of your life, what would it be? Maybe you struggle with fear. Maybe you're always waiting for the other shoe to drop. You're always worried about what's coming around the corner. You might choose Beethoven's fifth. Dun, 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 dun. Dun, 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 dun. Or maybe you feel like someone who's just waiting for a challenge. You're like, bring it on. Maybe you feel like you're the, the Lone Ranger and you hear in the background the William Tell overture. Dun, 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 dun. We will win. Or maybe you're wrestling with sadness on the urge of despair. And you hear in the background of your life, Mozart's Requiem, that part that goes, do, do, do. Or maybe you've fallen in love and every time she walks around the corner, you hear Wagner's Here Comes the Bride. Dun, 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 Okay, I'm tone deaf, so, but you get my point, right? The soundtrack that plays in the back of our lives has a powerful impact on how we live and how we experience our lives. And John, the writer of 
Revelation thinks the churches he's pastoring have the wrong soundtrack on. At the beginning of the book of Revelation in chapter 1, John says he has a vision and Jesus has come to him and instructs him to write a letter. And he says to write it to the, the seven, seven churches that he's a pastor of. Listen to them. Write in a book what you see and send it to the seven churches. To Ephesus, to Smyrna, to Pergamum, to Thyatira, to Sardis, to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. Now, John writes his letter to these seven churches, but his words, his message to these seven churches are relevant to all churches throughout time and in all places. For instance, the church in Ephesus in chapter two is admonished for started out strong, but they've forsaken their first love. And John seems to be saying, go back and put on the song that you began with. The song that got you, got you going, return to your first love. Yeah. Or take the church in Smyrna, Asia. They're undergoing severe persecution. And John is telling them, persevere, hold on, have courage, endure. Or the church in Pergamum. They've been lit and listening to false teachers. And he warns them about staying true to the truth revealed in Jesus Christ. They've turned to a soundtrack of falsehood and deceit. And he says, return to the truth. John has this great vision about what they should be listening to and he's trying to wake them up. And I think he does a good job of it. <laughs> when we were... Coming up with this series, I asked our music and arts team, John Perry and Trenton and Betsy. I asked them, I said, could you come up with a series of hymns, your favorite hymns of the church? And then come up with a list of scriptures that inform or those that the writer used and put in them. And then we'll use those for the scripture passages for the sermons and then we'll sing the hymn. And so they just did this great job. They came up with this fantastic list. And as I was looking through it, I began to notice something that I have never noticed before. As I look under each hymn name and each hymn title, and then I see the scriptures laid out, I see that there is a text from the book of Revelation under each of them. I was taken aback. I was like, who knew people read Revelation? And then as I began to look at the individual scripture passages, it amazed me. The amount of singing, of shouting, of banging of drums, playing harps, blowing horns. It surprised me. It's like the writer of the, the book of Revelation says, I've got a message for you from heaven, and guess what? Words can't do it justice. You need music too. There are some things, some emotions, some truths, some realities, some feelings that can't be expressed with mere words. We can have the words, but the music makes it so much sweeter. 
Let me just read the first two verses of our passage. Look at this. Did you notice? Then I looked, John says, and I heard the voice of many angels surrounding the throne and the living creatures and the elders. They numbered myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands. What are they doing? Singing with a full voice. Worthy is the lamb that was slaughtered to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And then John goes on in verse 13. He says, then I heard every creature. Really? Every creature. Where? In heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them. What were they doing? Singing to the one seated on the throne and to the lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. He's having a God-given dream and God has to use music to communicate the message God is trying to get across. Friends, make this the soundtrack of your community. Make this the soundtrack that plays in the background of your life. It will transform everything. I don't know if you've ever tried this trick before, but it's really cool. You take the movie, The Wizard of Oz, and you take Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon and you play them at the same time. I did this a, f I did this a few times with my friends in college. And what you have to do is you have to turn on the Wizard Oz at the very beginning, before the credits and everything. And what you, you probably remember is uh, the MGM uh, logo is a lion. And it roars. That lion, in case you didn't know, is named Leo. And Leo roars. And he roars once. He roars twice. But on the third roar, you hit play on Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon. And you were in for it. I mean, the synchronicity between the movie and the album is incredible. It's like, are they in, in conversation with one another? Are they, are they getting high on the same supply? Well, how are they doing this? It's amazing. When Pink Floyd's money comes on, there all the gold coins go bouncing down the road. It's incredible. Problem is, Pink Floyd's Dark, Dark Side of the Moon is shorter than the movie. So you get to the end and the movie's still going. My friends and I, we wanted to finish the movie and we happened to live in Seattle at the time and Pearl Jam's album Binaural had just come out and it was the next thing to turn on on the CD player. And all of a sudden we were like, wow. Eddie Vedder singing Parting Ways. And look, the lion and the tin man just separated. Look, the synchronicity between the two. Oh, they must be in conversation with one another. And then it hit me. Oh, your mind begins to make connections depending on the music playing in the background. 
What you hear, you begin to see in the movie. It informs how you view, you begin to make connections. And it's the same thing with our, the soundtrack of our spiritual backgrounds. Maybe you have a song of anger and frustration playing in the background of your life. When you confront challenges, when obstacles get in the way, you will descend into more anger and more frustration. But if you have the soundtrack of the good news of Jesus Christ, you will see a challenge or an obstacle as an opportunity for more faith, to expand your prayer life, to lean on the friendship of the people around you in your community. Or maybe you have a soundtrack of shame and guilt and you do something wrong again and you will go into a, a, a death spiral of more shame and more guilt. But if you have the good news of Jesus Christ playing in the background, it will be an opportunity to come once again on our knees, laying our lives before the Lord and opening our hands and receiving grace and forgiveness. It matters what is playing in the background of our lives. In preparation for today's sermon, I talked with the great biblical scholar, Reverend Mary Cox, about this passage from Revelation. Mary, former associate pastor here, I know, had led a Bible study on the book of Revelation, and I knew that it was her favorite book of the Bible. And I thought, how in the world could that be? So I called to ask her. She said, Jeff, you just have to learn how to read it. And she was kind enough to send me her study notes. And in her notes, when it comes to chapter four and chapter five of the book of Revelation, she says this, listen to this. Chapters four and five of Revelation answer the question, what happens when one opens the door where Jesus is knocking? What happens when one opens the door where Jesus is knocking? I love that. That's just another way to say, what happens when we put on the soundtrack of Jesus in the background of our lives? Transforms everything. Now I must say, I love music, but I am not musical as you know. <laughs> but I'm a lyrics guy. And some people could care less about their lyrics, but I love reading the lyrics to see where are the internal plays on words, where are the, the interesting rhyming patterns and the repetition. How can I make sense of this? So let's look at the lyrics here. Let's see what the myriads of myriads and thousands and thousands are singing. In verse 12, it says they're singing, worthy is the lamb that was slaughtered to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. Worthy is the lamb. Now, if you had never read the Old Testament, you might be totally mystified. Lamb is a reference to the Old Testament sacrificial system that you would regularly go to the temple to offer sacrifices to atone for your sin. And now we see that the writer of Revelation is pointing to the fact that Jesus has played the role of the ultimate lamb. He was slaughtered, he was crucified by the corrupt and unjust institutional systems of his day. Well, shouldn't this be defeat? No, 
This is the great irony of history. He receives power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. Just when we thought he had been defeated, he actually triumphs. Now there's a new soundtrack on full of grace and forgiveness and peace and love. But John is not done with his vision. In the next verse it reads, Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them. Notice the kind of the cosmic vision that John has. The impact. Everything that is under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them. For those that are of us who are pet lovers, that's for our pets too. Singing to the one seated on the throne and to the lamb, be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. The text says, to the one seated on the throne. Now growing up in a representative democracy, we don't have a lot of thrones, but at the time, the throne was the center of authority. The one who sat on the throne was the central power. It pulled everything to its center. And you know, if we don't have a center, we don't have a purpose, we don't have a direction. What you worship, that's what you put at your center. Whatever sits at the center of your life is what you worship. And where, as most things that we in this world put at the center of our lives, that we pursue fame, wealth, material possessions, whatever it might be. Our pursuit of them can never satisfy us and in our pursuit, they end up ruining us. And so Jesus invites us to put him at the throne of our lives and of the very universe. And Revelation is trying to wake us up to that fact, to put this song on in the background of your life. Today's hymn, that we sang for our opening hymn is Jesus shall reign where'er the sun. The hymn came from a project of the famous hymn writer Isaac Watts. In 1719, he set out to take all 150 psalms, set them to music for Christian worship. But he realized that the psalms were written in the Old Testament. And he wanted to infuse them with some of the New Testament. He kind of riffed on these psalms and wove in the good news of what God had done in Jesus Christ. He explained his process this way. Listen to this. Where the psalmist describes religion by the fear of God, I have often joined faith and love to it. Where he talks of sacrificing goats, I rather choose to mention the sacrifice of Christ, the Lamb of God where he promises abundance of wealth, honor, and long life, I've changed some of these typical blessings for grace, glory, and life eternal, which are brought to light by the gospel. And that's how he describes this great hymn of the church that is infused with Revelation 5, Jesus shall reign where'er the sun. To my mind, one of the greatest soundtracks of all time appears in the 1981 movie, Chariots of Fire. The movie tells the story of Eric Little, the Scottish Olympic hero who would go on to be the hero of the 1924 Olympic Games in Paris. At the Olympics, Eric is scheduled to run on a Sunday. 
He comes from a very pious family. And since Sunday is a Sabbath, as the movie tells, he declines to run. But one of his friends on the team gives him his race spot for that Thursday. And against all odds, Liddell goes out to win Olympic gold. He wins. His sister, Eric's sister, took kind of a dim view. She was deeply religious and deeply pious, and she thought that running was too secular. It wasn't sacred enough. It wasn't spiritual enough. And I love his response to her. He says, I believe that God made me for a purpose, but God also made me fast. (laughs) And when I run, I feel God's pleasure. Love that. What you might not know is that Eric Little grew up in China to Christian missionary parents. He had gone to Europe for school. But when he was done with school, he felt the call back to China to become a missionary. And before he was sent off, as he was about to board the train, multitudes gathered to cheer him off, to celebrate him. And as he stopped and he turned to the crowds and he gave a little speech, and he said he was going back home to do his part to unify the countries of the world under Christ, he said. And he said, let our motto be Christ for the world, for the world needs Christ. And before he left, he had the crowd sing Isaac Watts's great hymn, Jesus shall reign wherever the sun. That's what infused his life. Liddell lived with great courage. In fact, many years later, he would pay the ultimate price for his faith, dying in a Japanese internment camp there in China. But I think one of the great lessons of his life is he could live a life of love, whether that was the love of running, the love of his neighbor, both near or far, because he believed that the cosmos was infused with the love of God, that there was this universal vision that what God had done in Jesus Christ impacted all things. And that was the soundtrack he heard going on in the background of his life and in the entire cosmos. He knew who to worship. He believed that God himself had come in Jesus Christ for the life of the whole world. And therefore, Jesus shall reign wherever the sun. Let's put that on in the soundtrack of our lives. Let's let our song rise. Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, we thank you for the good news of this great passage from Holy Scripture and this great hymn that you've given us. May we trust in the goodness of that vision, even as the storms of life confront us. May we feel and may we hear your soundtrack in our lives. In your name we pray. Amen. You've been listening to the RPC Sermons Podcast. Please let us know you're here by visiting roswellpress.org and signing our digital friendship register. May the grace and love of God be with you today and throughout the rest of your week. Thanks for listening.